and even seeing, you know, different friends of mine who were maybe turning 30 and they were still, you know, like unmarried. I'd, in the back of my head, selfishly, was like, well, that's not going to be me. Um, and here I am. Remind yourself that what's portrayed on social media is lots of times a facade. You have no idea what is going on behind the photo. But I think the fact of the matter is, if you are not creating because you simply want to create and you love doing it and you're actually serving people with with something that they can learn, then you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Today we discuss all things content creation, dating in the digital world, the challenge of comparing yourself to others on Instagram, learning to trust the process of seasons in life, what it takes to trust your gut, and what can we learn from our past. If you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, now is the time. We're about to completely revamp our episode content on Instagram this week, and you absolutely do not want to miss out. So pull up the gram and follow us at No More Zero Days. So without further ado, episode 37 with Lizzie Giratelli begins now. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge facing Nike today in your department or role? I mean, currently, just COVID in itself, I think. Um, We are so dependent upon our relationships um, cross-function and cross-category with one another. And so, um, I mean, those have been key in my, you know, quote unquote success at Nike. Um, so not being able to just get up and walk over to someone's desk, go across the campus and um, hop on one of our bikes and, and, and go uh, knock on someone's shoulder um, to just build that relationship, ask questions, uh, break through the barriers of, of what corporate can be um, has been difficult. So, you know, trying to um, build those relationships, maintain those relationships um, with with new people that I've been working with has really been probably just the hardest in itself. What do you feel like in your experience with Nike has been something that you have admired about how they approach branding? Because I think we all could say listening here that Nike is by far one of the most powerful brands in the world, not just the U.S. as far as what they're recognized for. Everyone knows the swoosh. Everyone could recite the tagline. So how have you feel like in even just your department specifically that you are able to year after year continue to evolve the brand and deepen that relationship, you know, with the consumer or how you you guys are thinking about the Nike brand and continuing to, you know, refresh that and keep that top of mind for consumers? Just because I think a lot of people listening today, myself included, we all have our little social media brands. We all have our small businesses and I'm just curious of like, how does one of the top brands in the world, you know, continue to, to keep the foot on the gas and simply not just kind of let off and say, well, it is what it is. We can kind of ride the brand out of what's been done the last 20, 30, 40 years. That's a good question. One thing that I've really just admired about my time and being with the company is how the focus is really on meeting the consumer where they are currently, uh, taking into consideration current events, uh, the political state, um, really anything that's going on in the world. And I think a lot of brands stray away and are a little scared to tap into that. And so the fact that Nike has been really the first to kind of make a stance and make a bold move that might offend some people, right? But um, it's it's powerful because when you see a company that's not afraid to stand up for um, having a voice, um, people are going to 
be drawn to that, right? Uh, they want to be a part of something bigger and greater. And so, I mean, the reality is that we, the company is about serving all athletes. And there's always been an asterisk next to the athlete word, because if you have a body, you're an athlete. Um, and I mean, I've really just been impressed with how the company is uh, so much more than just serving that stereotypical athlete because I didn't grow up, you know, be playing a lot of sports. I was more of a girly girl into fashion and everything like that. And I'm surrounded by um, fellow teammates who, you know, they've lived and breathed and died Nike um, since they were a kid. And so that's not necessarily been my case. But at the same time, I admire the company as a brand. I want to wear the best when I work out and I stay fit. And so it's amazing and it's great that we have a myriad of different people who work for the company uh, and that I'm able to represent, um, you know, a small portion of, of that person who isn't necessarily that athlete. What do you feel like has been something, just even a thousand foot level of working in corporate America in, in we'll call it the 2020, 2021 year, because it seems like there's still this carryover from last year of working remotely, like in, in your own experience are, and I'm, I'm not even asking you to say you know, specifically to your team, but just in general, because um, I'm no longer in kind of the corporate world. I work for corporate clients, but what are some things that you feel like it's going to change the workforce? Are, are people going to work from home more? Do you feel like working from home or away from the office actually has now created this this craving for people to actually go back into the office so they can be together? What are some things that you think are going to change? What do you think are going to be some things that are going to be business as usual uh, whenever that is that we all or you all go back to work? It's funny because 2020 has brought so many different waves. So, you know, month one, stoked, great, work from home. I love doing this into the next month and the next month. And it just sort of has evolved into this, oh, well, I kind of do miss going into the office or um, I, I do like the freedom. You know, I can hop to the store real quick if I need to run a fast errand during the day. Um, so um, I, I will say the company I've worked for has already been just um, really great about um, that freedom. And, you know, pretty much anyone who works there is going to be good at their job, right? And so, um, you know, you manage your time and you manage your schedule and um, there's a lot of independence within that um, and you make sure those deliverables hit. And so, um, you know, in that sense, I think being um, a part of such a sort of forward-thinking company in itself already and then transitioning to work from home, it's been maybe more seamless than, say, other more conservative, um, say, outdated companies. Um, however, I, I, I do feel like, um, you know, working for such a big company, there are a lot of perks to that. And, you know, there's some impressive, we've all seen the Drake music video, right? Um, we've seen the buildings um, that Nike um, has on campus, and they're, they're amazing. And so being able to use those facilities and actually interact with one another, you know, back to my answer about just walking over to someone's desk, um, those relationships are what make work successful in any job. And so, um, you know, th that's just something that you can't replicate and get from a Zoom call, unfortunately, as many glasses of wine you have on it as a team happy hour, right? <laughs> so um, I think that I, I personally, I, I enjoy the work from home freedom myself. And I've been able to kind of get myself some structure here and there. But in the same time, I like that I don't have the structure of um, you know, going in this time every day. And, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows every day. And, and I enjoy that because I can kind of, 
You know, I, I love cooking, for example, so I can whip up a little brunch at whatever time I want. And that's not something I can do when I'm in the office, right? Um, although I have brought in um, some cooking material before. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said about going into an office when it's when it's a really cool workplace as well. Um, but there's already been um, complete uh, revamps for companies to um, to to be permanently working from home, even past COVID. So, um, you know, I think the balance of going into a workplace and then also still having that that creative freedom to manage your own time and work from home here and there, I think that's going to be important um, because we've learned a lot from how efficient and, and productive we can be while working from home. Um, and, and just, you know, I don't have a family myself, but I would imagine uh, how that's changed um, parenting um, and just managing that, that work schedule and being at home with your kids. Um, though it comes with a lot of challenges, I'm sure has also um, brought a lot of closeness together for, for families. And that's something that maybe people are going to want to keep around. You casually brought up that you like to cook and, you know, that you like to make brunch and you love the creative freedom. Uh, for those listening, if you do not follow uh, Miss Lizzie G on Instagram, uh, she is extremely underselling her ability to cook. I, I have not tasted it, but the way that you post your Instagram stuff, immediately I find myself being like, uh, what time is it? When is my next meal? What am I eating? You are no casual cooker. I, I, to, to be specific, you posted a burrito, what was that, yesterday or the day before, and it looked amazing. Talk to me about your love for for cooking and also you really bring it to light in a really visually interesting way that I don't even know if you fully appreciate your ability to do that quite yet, but it's, it's been really fascinating for me to watch and follow you of just like the sophistication of your meals. Um, but even just how you visually bring that to life on social media. So talk to me about all things cooking. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, I can think back to when I was a kid and my mom wasn't much of a cook. Sorry, mom. And um, <laughs> we had some leftover, like plain spaghetti. Um, and I was trying to, quote unquote, Asianify it. And I like threw it in a frying pan. And I think the only type of thing we had that would qualify it as Asian was like soy sauce. But I was on a mission as a kid to like figure out like, oh, well, how do you, it's before I discovered that, well, they're actually rice noodles, you know, <laughs> they're different noodles altogether. But um, there's always been that spark of creativity when it comes to food. One, because I just love eating and I love food so much. Um, <laughs> maybe the Italian side in me. Um, but I, I, so I just love fusing those two together. And so for me, I, I don't necessarily like following recipes. I like, you know, getting inspiration, um, from, uh, different food posts I see or, um, you know, a certain ingredient. And then I just sort of, I love the idea of just whipping something up. Uh, and I actually, I feel like some of the coolest things that I've come up with, um, would be when my fridge is kind of low, low, lowly stocked and I just have to make do with what I have in there. And that's when it just gets fun. Um, and then as far as the visual representation, I mean, I think just because of my passion and love for food in itself and my love for presentation, um, you know, I can think back to when I was a kid too, I'd be like taking the ketchup and making little swirlies on the plate or what have you. And so that's always been, um, something that just excites me and I'm just drawn to. And so just fusing those together is very natural. Um, so yeah, if I 
I'll open my microwave door. I'll stick my phone in there to get an aerial view. Um, I'll, I'll do whatever just because I think it's, um, I think it's cool to just share that. And I will say I was, um, you know, like, oh, well, who wants to see what I'm making? Like, I'm not making anything special. But it's amazing once you get a few replies to your stories here and there, like, this looks amazing, or how did you do that? Um, you know, it really does feed the excitement more, um, <laughs> pun intended. And um, you just want to continue creating because I want to be able to um, inspire other people. You know, if I'm following other food accounts and I'm getting inspired, if I can do that in some small way to others, then that's awesome. Um, and, and I also love the idea of taking something that's maybe not so sophisticated and turning it into something that looks really cool with the presentation. As a, a fellow foodie myself, but your ability to be drawn in by the visualization or visual experience rather of food, I think is an interesting trend that all of us can identify or see in our own social media experience, be it charcuterie boards, be it all these different pop-up shops that we see in LA, San Francisco, New York City, Miami, all these different things. And it's been really fascinating for me to, I don't know, just observe how social media has impacted probably positively. I don't really know if there's any downsides to the food industry as a whole. And it kind of evolved like the experiential piece of it of, I don't even know if I would call it bragging, but it's just been fascinating to me to kind of watch this observation of so many people are posting everything that they eat. And it's interesting to see why that is. And I don't know if there really is, is a blanket answer, but even you think about you and I's friends or people that we follow, you know, or even out to a, a chain restaurant and and yet there's this way, there's this creative desire to capture the moment in a unique way with their iPhone or with Visco or all these different apps. What do you feel like, and I know this is the thousand foot level million dollar question, but I'm just curious on your POV, not so looking for, uh, you know, the holy grail answer here, but what do you think it is about the visual experience of food and, and being so frequently posted on, on social media? Is it kind of that, I guess, addiction that we all have to engagement and that it's it's a topic that we probably all identify as. So we're probably getting more engagements and so we're actually craving that connection or affirmation for other people. Or is it truly this pursuit of capturing something in kind of a bragging visual way? For First of all, everyone is drawn in by food, right? Um, and so it's a very easy way for someone. I, th- I think most of the things people are posting who say aren't into cooking, it- it's food when they're out and about, they're at a restaurant, a bar. And it's so easy to just snap a quick picture. And, um, you know, what's the saying? The food eats first, right? <laughs> I remember I had a friend that told me that and I was like, oh, no. Um, but it's it's so easy to get recognition and nothing, someone could hate what you're posting and it, it, it doesn't fall personally on you. You're not posting a picture of yourself, um, something you've created, you've done. And so it's an easy way to get engagement and get recognition and also say, hey, I'm out about, I'm doing stuff, which we're just drawn to as human beings, right? Like, hey, we're busy, we're social. Um, and, 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 and you know that like nine out of 10 people are going to love that post. Whereas if it's something a little bit more personal to you, um, you know, I think you're going to be a little less likely to, to post it. A late night discussion I was recently having with one of my roommates, um, as we were kind of sitting on a clubhouse call with some of the top YouTubers in the world, and they were kind of talking about 
um, you know, answering kind of a and a format of a lot of people were curious of like, how do I get more watch time? How do I get more viewers? And there's even some corporate Instagram and YouTube people sharing the answers to. It's something I just have spent a lot of time really mulling over late at night because I can't quite figure out where I land on this question. And so I'm looking more for just your, you know, gut reaction of, I, I feel like that there is absolutely, whether it's um, fashion, whether it's food, whether it's YouTube, this very much like step-by-step, you know, Y equals MX plus B type formula to kind of feeding the beast of the algorithm of, hey, here's what the your YouTube thumbnail needs to have blue. It needs to have a crazy reaction of like your face or the person's face uh, that was in the video. Um, hey, you need to use Visco with a lot of natural lighting on food. It needs to be an overhead shot. Hey, you need to wear all neutral colors, but with some crazy pair of Nike shoes and, you know, wear a Carhartt beanie. And, and I, I just really wonder from a creative standpoint of as up and coming influencers, as creators, as other people, sure, you're actually getting probably the metrics, you're getting more likes, you're getting more engagement. So you're getting more of what you think you want out of it. But I almost would wonder, like, are you actually losing your true creativity and true identity? Because I've always been someone as I've gotten older now and kind of in the grand scheme of things are on like the old man side of of being 30 this year when it comes to holding a camera for influencers and brands and musicians that I do, whereas most people are either in their teens or early 20s is I'm kind of tired of like just doing the same old thing. And so I'm always thinking about like, let me just wipe or let me just forget or let me just close my eyes and ears and heart to what I know society or what I know the algorithm wants. And let me create something that's uniquely for this person. But then at the same time, I come back to you. Well, then when it doesn't perform the way it needs to, as far as likes and comments engagement, it's like, have I really served that person well? So long rambling answer set up to simply get to the simple question of, what do you think about, and you can pick whatever avenue or all the avenues, be it food, be it fashion, uh, product merchandising, social media influencing that you want to answer this through, but do you feel that there's something to be learned by, I don't want to say copying, pasting, that kind of what it is of a lot of these successful people, or when you're creating or thinking about things in your world, are you truly just thinking about doing the best in the moment? Or, or do you have kind of this subconscious checklist of like, hey, I know this needs to have this filter. It needs to look like this, this, and this. I mean, I was getting worn out just hearing the list of rules that you're listening off. But it's true. There, there's high demand to be an influencer um, because it's something that's actually within reach for anyone. It's attainable. And so, um, I mean, again, back to human nature, we want to be known, we want to be liked, we want to be famous. And so the fact that that's, you know, in, in this um, generation, and, and we can actually get it, there's because there's high demand that you have all these people who have actually done it and are making it, um, who can put all these tips and rules and advice out there. Um, but I think the fact of the matter is, if you are not creating because you simply want to create and you love doing it and you're actually serving people with with something that they can learn, um, whether it be, you know, this is how I style an outfit together on the cheap or this is how I put this piece of food with this, um, then you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. So if you're just blindly following these rules because you're drawn to the fame 
um, and the success, then that's obviously the wrong reason. And it might get you somewhere um, in the short term, but I think that people will see through it um, because people recognize authenticity. It is hard, though, because you can create just from your heart, right? And you you naturally are putting all these natural filters on stuff. You're doing it because, not because it's a rule, but because it comes naturally to you as a creator, right? But the problem with Instagram and the algorithm and, and everything that it's thrown us in the last couple of years um, is that you kind of have to try following some of these rules to actually see your creativity um, and your photos and content go anywhere. And so it can be a little discouraging because you're trying to balance just this free-flowing creativity with a set of rules that, you know, Instagram is kind of just thrown on you. And, um, and, it, and it can be hard when you post something that you're so passionate about and, you know, you, you don't really see it go anywhere. There's no traction. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a balance so a follow-up question that I'm really curious about, kind of making things a little bit more personal to you, is how do you feel like or how do you approach showing up online in the sense that I, I truly, genuinely believe that regardless of where, you, if you're listening today, this episode of where you land on our last question there of do I follow all the kind of unspoken rules uh, of getting engagement or do I create for me and I create the way that I see this you know, moment in time. Um, cause I think that you can so get caught up on, and this is from my own experience of being a creator now for like seven, eight years of in the beginning, I was like, I got to follow all these people. I got to follow Rory Kramer. I got to follow Casey Neistat. I got to follow all these amazing people that are, you know, working with all the brands I want to do. And I need to dress like they do and say like they do and post like they do. But then I really realized like I lost me like at the end of the day in the short run, I can get these like little wins and I can get these clients. But I just wonder if, if you're a creator and influencer today starting out and all you do is copying the person in front of you, what's going to happen when you do make it? What's going to happen when you do get a million followers? And you do get the blue check mark. Now you're absolutely tied into and in the mind of the consumer stuck to this this very predictable branding that now the second you want to post and talk about something about faith, something about what's really going on in your life, people are like, uh, what is this? So I, I guess how I would pose it to people listening today or, or where I've ended up kind of landing is you have to just be yourself and, and know that that's enough. And even when you post something that's a really big deal to you, and I'm speaking from true experience of like, I try to do a really good job of sharing my failures on my own personal page and what I'm learning is, yeah, it's really disheartening when I get... 40 likes on that post and I spent a lot of time and I felt like I was vulnerable. But then when I post like something cool of me in like the desert, it gets like 200 likes. And so I just really believe in living my life from what do I want to happen and living it with a long term of like, we're running a, a marathon, not a 5k. Because I think that once you get to the thing you think you want, now you're trapped. So I'm just curious and, and sorry for the long ramble. Cause this is about, this episode is about you, not about me, but it's just something that I've actually lost a lot of sleep over the past few weeks. I've really been thinking about that and, and really trying to figure out where am I committed to in the long run of figuring out on that side of the equation of do I follow these rules or do I, do I be myself? So how do, you, how do you approach, how do you personally show up online? What are the things you post about? What are kind of some of your personal rules or goals for yourself about what you're posting and how you're curating your feed or your brand? As you were sharing that, I thought about um, something that I did post a few days ago, and it was a, um, 
a shot I took of a beautiful flower that I really enjoyed my edit on and whatever. And I was just kind of in this zone of, um, it brought to mind a Bible verse, which I kind of shared on the caption, just very casually. But even that made me feel vulnerable um, because I know that my followers aren't, um, you know, all Christian and, and we're tired of hearing all these people throwing their 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 worldviews and religions on you, right? And, um, you know, it's not something that I, say, have in like my bio. And you do see that with a lot of people, right? And what I'm so, I guess, scared of is um, ever becoming that double standard or um, that hypocritical person where, you know, they're just shouting from their bio this verse or that they claim to be this. And it's not necessarily represented in their photos. And it's just something I'm aware of. So, you know, I'm cautious about, I guess, when I post um things that have related to my faith and things that are a bit more personal, maybe things that I'm struggling with. Um, and so, you know, whether it be, uh, I had a breakup beginning of last year and got a little vulnerable in a post. Um, but you know, I think what's inspired me to share some of that stuff is seeing other people that I admire and respect get vulnerable as well. in, in a, in a really authentic and genuine way, I'm not saying everyone does it like that, but, um, that is what has really inspired me. Hey, if they impacted me and touched me, maybe I can just touch one other person and that's good enough for me, right? Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a hard balance. And I think that, um, you know, a, another one being, you know, I've told, I've been told, oh, Lizzie, you, you know, you post fashion outfits of you, you post landscape photos, travel, food, uh, interiors. Um, and, and, you know, the most successful Instagrams, I think, really hone in and focus on one thing. Um, and I just can't get myself to do that, <laughs> because I love too many things. And I want to share just this sort of lifestyle um, perspective. Um, and so that's something that I, I haven't compromised. You know, every photo is not me. And I like it that way. I actually feel probably most uncomfortable when I post a photo of me. Um, but those are the ones that get the most likes, right? Um, so it it is definitely something that is a challenging ba uh, balance when you want to kind of grow and reach more people in that social media arena. Um, but, you know, you have to just you know, continue to, I think, try and yourself follow people who are genuine and authentic. And, um, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. And that includes social media. So I think if you're surrounded by that, encouraged by that, it, it encourages you to do the same to your followers. So we're about to talk about how we're both 29. But one of the things that's fascinated me is the evolution of the breakup online. Because since we're 29, we're old enough to remember where Facebook used to be the hub of social media and everything happened there. And I don't know what your dating life was like back in the time, but I dated a handful of people that went through the, you know, Eric Savage is now in a relationship on, on Facebook and everyone would comment like, Ooh, she's cute. Or like, Oh, I didn't see this coming or whatever. And then, you know, back then, because again, it was just Facebook or it was like, this is where everyone's attention was. Then it was like, Eric Savage is single. And it was like, oh my gosh, like what happened? Dude, texting you like, oh my goodness. And there was this whole like, just drama alert of like people always looking to Facebook or always knowing like who's broken up with, who's single. And since now none of us really use Facebook, I don't know about you, I don't want to speak for you. But for the most part, it's like no one really updates until you're like, 
I know people that haven't even changed their relationship on status until like the day they get married and they went from like single and air quotes to like married as far as Facebook is concerned because it's just like no one cares. But, you know, now it's so easy for us to kind of almost erase that that relationship ever happened in kind of this Instagram first world where it's so easy to just like delete this picture with him or her, delete this picture with him or her. And it's like it never even happened. And so I, I think that that has really changed or, or been also one of the things that has changed just dating as a whole and made it so much more let's try on a bunch of different sizes and figure out what works best rather than learning to stick with someone in just in my opinion and kind of this like turning dating into kind of a game that I believe like social uh, dating apps have done but I don't know I just, I just think it's an interesting thing I don't know if you want to like just talk about you know just dating in our late 20s as it relates to kind of this whole social media thing and you know when are we supposed to like post a picture with this person and you know when is it cool not to but then like do we do we you know I looked good in this picture with him or her so do I keep that one up on the post but you know on the on the timeline but I delete everything else it's just been fascinating to me if like dating in 2021 as it relates to social media that's the whole reason why Instagram invented archives right (laughs) That's where all the X's go, because um, you don't have the heart to delete them, or maybe do, uh, depending on the situation. But um, yeah, it is it is interesting. Um, back to you know, you want to be vulnerable, um, but you also do want to kind of guard your heart and protect some of your privacy. And so, um, you know, in my in my late age of twenty nine, <laughs> maybe I've finally learned that um, I do want to take things slow as far as when it comes to. Um, putting that out there for people to see, judge, give their feedback on. And I will say as a, as a female on social media, and and I do have a Facebook, but I do not use it. So that's irrelevant. Um, But um, as a female in her 20s, late 20s on Instagram, um, uh, sometimes you just feel like your feed is flooded with uh, engagements, uh, weddings, babies, Um, and so that can be hard. It really can. Um, because you start looking in on your own life and you're like, you just start playing that compare game. And that is the quickest way to lose any joy in your life, um, is by comparing. And so, um, you know, I will say I I took an Instagram hiatus, um, last year during COVID conveniently, um, so single, I was recently single, living alone, and COVID had just happened. And I decided to embrace an Instagram um, complete break for a couple months. And I will say it was one of the most refreshing and rejuvenating things I've ever done. It's when I felt most kind of creative. Um, uh, I was reading more, which I never do. <laughs> um, listening to podcasts, uh, just doing kind of all the things, embracing just loving being with myself and the truth is if you if you can't enjoy being with yourself no one else is going to enjoy hanging out with you and so um getting off on a tangent here but um it it is refreshing to just recognize and be attuned with yourself with um how much am I scrolling and just comparing um and and it's a balance because you know you want to stay up to date and connected but when you're following a myriad of people who you don't even know and they're just influencers you admire and celebrities and you know you're getting all the juicy relationship photos everywhere um you know 
be in touch with what your gut is telling you and what your heart is telling you. And if you need to unfollow someone because um, hopefully not because you're jealous, right? But um, because they're, you know, it's not um, uplifting you in a certain way. Um, and then also just setting those time limits on, on the screen on the scrolling, right? Um, because whether, and I'm not sure what the struggle is, maybe within a guy that really kind of like gets into your heart a little bit. Um, but I, I do know it, it is hard for, for females. Um, and when you are in that unmarried single place to just constantly scroll and see your feed flooded with babies and rings. So <laughs> you have to rise above it. We're both 29. And again, I put a massive asterisk of like all bold underline, not putting words in your mouth. But I've talked about in previous episodes how I'm, I'm turning 30 this year and I've accomplished nothing on my checklist of, in air quotes, being 30 and dreaming that I would have done and, and quote, what success at 30 was supposed to look like that I thought when I turned 20, when I was 25, you know, by 30, I was going to be married, have kids, have a successful job, this, that, and the other. and And even having this kind of anger with, you know, with life of looking at what 2020 was and having the optimism in Q4 of 2020 of everyone was promising, oh, 2021 is going to be better. We're going to have this vaccine. It's going to be back to normal. And then now, you know, we're in 2021 and it's definitely not going to be normal this year as well. And I'm terrible about doing this tabulation with my life goals in the sense that I'm like, okay, I'm 29 now. I turned 30 this year. If I start dating someone casually and then we get serious, you know, we'll date for two years and we'll be engaged for a year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm 33 now, you know, or I start this business or I do this, or it's going to take me this long to uh, get into the shape I want physically. And I get myself like really jacked up. And especially with kind of this in air quotes, not normal life of just when I, you know, have chosen to make a living for the time being right now of capturing people in like public spaces, doing their thing is like, I have a lot of like fear and anxiety to be honest with it's going to be a while before I can get back to the momentum that I was prior to this. So has, or was rather was 30 a, a big flag plant or milestone for you growing up as a kid or even as a college age person or is 30 just another number for you? And, and how are you approaching the realization that, you know, you do turn 30 this year? Good question. <laughs> Um, so I turned 30 in March. I'm a Pisces, if that matters to you. Um, <laughs> um, and I mean, gosh, when I was a kid, especially growing up in a Christian home, did I think I would be like married by 25? Absolutely. And even seeing, you know, different friends of mine who were maybe turning 30 and they were still, you know, like unmarried. I'd, in the back of my head, selfishly, was like, well, that's not going to be me. Um, and here I am. Um, you know, there is someone in my life, but... Um, yeah, you're on your tax papers, you're single, right? <laughs> so um, I will say just even within the last year, and I've been very humbled um, in just trying to trust the process. And again, the minute you start comparing yourself and you part, start putting a number on, oh, well, you know, when are you supposed to have kids by? When do you, you know, there's a whole nother set of sort of maybe insecurities and struggles that perhaps females face just with that, that side of things and having kids, but, um, you have to let it go because that is not going to get you 
anywhere, whether you're single or in a relationship, any sort of pressure that you add to yourself or uh, a significant other or whatever is the worst thing that you could possibly do. And so whatever it's going to take to just like surrender over like those fears um, and those, yeah, to, to God and um, is, is truly what you have to do. And I think just maybe in the last year, going through you know a breakup and um being just embracing being alone reading different books um talking to my dad as a um been a huge support in my life and just a book of wisdom I literally have a a notebook called dad's wisdom I've jotted down phrases over the years which I'll eventually hopefully um pack up and give him one day but um I um you have to make sure you surround yourself um, with people and influences who are just going to encourage you where you're at and um, just try and embrace the fact that there is a plan out there and it's all um, it's all working according to, to his plan. And, and another thing is that you have to remind yourself that what's portrayed on social media is lots of times a facade. You have no idea what is going on behind the photo and again that's not for you to conjure up in your head and and um nitpick apart um but you have to remind yourself that a lot of that is a facade and so um yeah just trying to wake up every day with a smile on your face and thankful and grateful for this life you have where you do you're not woken up early by screaming children and just like you're never going to get the stage of life back again so why are we rushing it let's just learn to be content at the place that we are um, because a significant other kids whatever it is it's not going to fill that void you really need to find that joy and that peace and contentment where you are currently you know the more that we dream or hope or believe for something or get excited about something we have to realize that on the other side of the coin sets us up for an equal amount of opportunity to be disappointed and i it's not this like revelation statement that i'm going to go get tattooed on my arm somewhere uh, as a daily reminder but it's something that i really realized put words to feelings that i had previously about Um, you know, I feel like I showed up in the best way in a relationship and I gave it everything I had and it was everything that I wanted or I thought I wanted or I needed, you know, and it still ended. And it's like, why can't that work out? Why didn't that work out? Because I think it's so easy for us to look back on failed business ventures, jobs, relationships, where we can easily point to like the one big thing that didn't go well or the one big thing that like, Hey, we kind of knew all along, like this guy was a douchebag and you know, well, I shouldn't have, you know, I should set my standards higher, but I think what I've had to learn a lot in the past 12 months and I've kind of shared tidbits on different episodes about was like, I feel like I've been super picky about relationships, business dreams. And it's really hard to really realize that life is a lot more out of our control than we think. And it, you, you, can't simply as you get older like you and I at 29 hopefully you've come to the realization of like leaving those immature desires and intentions and habits in the past and certainly I'm not perfect and I don't think uh, you would say that you are either because none of us are but it's very hard in kind of this stage two of growing up of when you make the turn to 30 of really realizing I can give it my all and that's still not going to be good enough at the end of the day because what God has in store for us 
we can't outrun, we can't outwork, we can't divert. And certainly, yes, there are times when he turns us over to ourselves and is like, yeah, go be in the crappy relationship. Yeah, go be in the, you know, the uh, abusive work situation or whatever that may be. And he lets us see that like, hey, like I'm bigger than your, you know, your efforts. And so I'm just curious, what have you learned about yourself? And again, without, you don't need to share details. You can go as broad or specific as you want of being on the other side now of you shared about a difficult breakup and being 29 and then you were single and now you're back in a relationship. And again, not, you know, you don't have to share details about your new relationship, but clearly there was a process there that we all go through of a regret of the relationship. We have maybe some doubts about ourselves. Can this ever be that good again? I wish I wouldn't have said that thing he or she was the one um it's oftentimes hard and and to get away from like i told this person i love them and now we don't even text i'm not trying to put words in your mouth just different things like that i'm just curious what have you learned about yourself now that you are looking to either change continue uh evolve from the previous lizzie from a year ago now into this new relationship put your hand in front of your face like right in front of your face okay can't, it's it's hard to focus in and see and then move it further out right I, I think you get perspective um the further away you move from a situation whether that's a relationship with the person work whatever and so you know along the lines of hindsight is 2020 um in the middle of it and even the weeks and potentially months after uh getting out of something you know you're so cloudy in the head and you're going through all these things right um I think what's important about and I I mean I've been through several breakups right (laughs) um the important thing um about getting out of that whether they wronged you whatever the circumstance is you were still in that relationship so what are you going to learn about yourself from that time with that person you know why were you drawn to that person Um, how did you act? Um, how can you be a better version of yourself in this next relationship? And so I think being emotionally responsible when you get out of a situation like that and really just taking time to process and evaluate and humble, humble yourself and be open to the lessons and learnings that God has for you after something like that is so important. Um, because you don't want to get into another relationship with someone that you were in, right? Um, you want to take what you've learned and, and apply it and be a better version of yourself, come come to the next relationship with um, a better version of you. And hopefully you're also attracting and, and noticing and picking up on things that maybe aren't the best for you in this next person or job or whatever. Um, so I think just spending that time being emotionally responsible um, and it's going to suck and it's going to be hard. Um, but I, I think that's so important. And then, you know, when you are healed and you're, and you're ready to kind of get back out there again, you know, God can't steer a parked car. So it, no excuses. It doesn't matter if it's COVID and it's all on Hinge or Bumble or whatever. Get out there. And and I think there's hope in the fact that it only takes one person. It only takes one. And so, you know, you go through 20 awful small talk first dates, right? And all it takes is one. So you just got to keep putting yourself out there and know that um, 
like just believe in that hope because if you truly do want that um want that lasting relationship with someone it's out there and it's just a matter of you know making sure you're in the best place yourself alone with your with yourself and um and making sure you're you're putting it out there don't have these excuses of of wherever it might whatever it might be in life of covid or you know living in a living in a small town where everyone's already married with kids um yeah what do you feel like was something that you learned about yourself in the past 12 months that was unexpected be it post breakup be it because of quarantine be it because of working out of the office what was something that you feel like because you talked about and you hit the nail on the head with this idea of like the farther we we get away from things the more clarity and the more insights and the better I think we have a more realistic picture of truly what happened so what is it about yourself do you feel like you've learned that you're hoping to really carry into 2021 and moving forward that was kind of an unexpected learning I could sum it up honestly I hope it doesn't sound cliche but I could sum it up in three words and um, it's trust your gut whether that gut comes from you know the the relationship with God you have in your heart or just, um, you know, that, that inherent feeling that I think we all are attuned with in our bodies or, um, that little voice in the back of your head, whatever you want to call it. Um, I truly believe in this last year I have learned, um, the, um, the importance and the truth in really trusting your gut. Um, you know, whether that is, Oh, you know, I had, there was, there's a few yellow, there might not be red flags, but they're yellow flags, right? <laughs> In this person or, um, you know, just feeling a discontentment maybe with your job. I have to tell you all the times that I've kind of just learned to trust my gut and follow through and make those steps. I have felt so happy, um, about it. And so it just, it's kind of like this domino effect then of like, Oh, you trust your gut here. And it turns out great. Like, you know, you got to keep, keep doing that uh, with the small things and the big things. So I think just, we so badly want things to work out sometimes, right? Because it's security, it's a safety net. Um, it's comfortable, you know, it's cold outside. We want someone, whatever. (laughs) Um, but you know, inevitably, I think it's all gonna, it's all gonna come back onto you, whether it's, you listen to it tomorrow, or you, it all blows up a year out from now. So I think just really trusting your gut is what what I would say. So last question, every guest on the show always get the same last question. And it's that, um, as you know, you've been on the No More Zero Days podcast, a zero day is where you get nothing done towards accomplishing your dream or goal or goals rather for your life, be that that you want to get a new relationship you're looking to start your own business, uh, you're looking to lose some weight, whatever that goal or dream is, I, I believe that um, you know we all are caught in this either zero or 100 mentality. And I say that because that was my own story about two years ago, that today was either a zero day where you know I sat at home, watched a lot of great Netflix in the office, ate Taco Bell three times a day, and didn't take a shower. Or today was a 100 day where I got up at 5 a.m., I ran six miles, I did my workout, I had my smoothie, and I sent a thousand emails towards getting new business and it was just the perfect day. But I think the problem with being in that mentality I learned was that 
in one scenario, you're doing everything right and you're moving the ball forward. But unfortunately, in another scenario, the zero day, you're actually going to hurt yourself and you're, you're developing losing habits that are actually going to make you take a step back. But I believe if we live our life between either this kind of 1 in 99, if you will, on the 0 to 100 scale of getting small things towards that goal. And today could be a 2-day, tomorrow's a 10, the next day a 55, a 75, so on and so forth. As long as you're continually moving the ball forward towards that goal, you'll look back across a week, a month, a quarter, a year. And you'll say, wow, like I actually moved towards that goal. Uh, rather than taking a step back. So however you want to answer this question in whatever perspective, be it in fashion merchandising, relationships, faith, uh, content creation, whatever your personal journey, what advice would you give to someone that is stuck in that zero-day mentality that is paralyzed um, by either parameters they put on themselves, um, that society, uh, a past relationship, um, a workplace environment, that they feel like they can't you know, move out of that zero-day zero day mentality, however long or short you want to answer, what is your advice to that person to help them move out of that zero day mentality? Especially in 2020, it has been so easy to get into a slump of, you know, whether you work from home or you're just like you're quarantining at home, you've got your, I mean, think about all the shows we've gone through, Tiger King, uh, I I can't even think of them. (laughs) We've gone through so many series. Um, And And there's so many uh, distractions in the way of us reaching our goals and our dreams. And it's so easy when you do feel that lull of maybe like that slight, whether it's seasonal depression or single depression or um, not loving your job depression, um, where we just want to fall into this slump of like watching TV or scrolling or doing all these habits that just like give us this kind of instant gratification. But then the series is over, right? And you're like, oh my word, I feel even more depressed. So for me, allowing myself to have, um, when I look back on the year, allowing myself to um, not be like upset by that, like, uh, you know, I'm going to telling myself that I can take, you know, I'm going to have this hour and I'm going to fully enjoy this trashy TV, whatever it is I'm watching. And, and just being in that present time and 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 doing whatever you need to do to de-stress and unwind and embrace the 2020 year it has been um and then being like okay after that hour then great i enjoyed that time i'm gonna just do this small step to um you know i'm gonna put this much effort into into revamping my website sometimes i think what happens is we're say watching a show doing something distracting and in the back of our head you're like oh just you know 10 more minutes or i shouldn't be doing this embrace like enjoy what you're doing um in that bingeable moment um where you're not actually really getting towards your goals right and then once you're done with that get back to what whatever it is you're doing and and make them attainable steps you don't have to put these lofty goals on every day. And I think when you do put those small steps uh, on each day, these small goals, um, you're actually going to do more than, than you think. Um, because there's nothing worse than being discouraged by not meeting a lofty goal that you put on yourself for the day. And then it's just, again, a domino effect. The next day comes, oh, I didn't do it yesterday. It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, so allow yourself to embrace the moments where you know, you're just unwinding and de-stressing and not doing anything. Um, but then really be present in the time where you are doing whatever you're doing to get towards your goal. 